Hey, Blinders, on this week's show, we review The Matrix Resurrections, we have a spoiler-filled conversation about Spider-Man No Way Home, and we play Holiday Movie Blend. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 196 of Real Blend, a podcast I can't believe Danny Rojas is in the MCU. (laughs) It's a movie-heavy week. We have so many movies to get to on this week's podcast, you guys won't believe it. Like, there's a staggering amount of films to get to, and really important ones, too. Uh, No guests this week, because we're going to be digging into Spider-Man No Way Home spoilers, Uh, but we are going to get to later a review of The Matrix Resurrections. It's Resurrections, Gabe. In the notes, it says revolutions. I do Too that. Too many every, R's. I do no, that every we're, week. we're actually talking about the third film. Oh, we yeah, are. Oh, I, get yeah. Yeah. I do it every I week. I honestly forget <laughs> which one is out now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's all R's. Resurrection. I've forgotten the one that's out now, too, uh, coincidentally. But um, hey. Uh, hey, my name is Sean hey. O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. Joined as uh, always by my great friend, Kevin McCarthy. Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. How are you? Sean, Jacob, Gabriel, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and everyone out there. And uh, this is uh, our our, fir- our last episode of the year. But as Sean said, we have like eight movies to talk about. It's going to be a, yeah. it's gonna be a, a, a very dense episode. So. It will. And you'll notice that uh, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago has a different backdrop. Hi, Jakey. How are you? Hi, buddy. Yeah, I'm here in Texas visiting the family through Christmas. I love that... Uh... Kevin got, I'd like to introduce my great friend, Kevin McCarthy, and yeah, I got, yeah. also Jake's here. Yeah, yeah. also, <laughs> it's appropriate. Yeah. It's also because you've been, eating, you've been eating so much Whataburger, we, 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 we don't know who you are anymore. Also the hat, like Jake's rocking the hat for a long time now. Um, what's going yeah. on? You ready to get a haircut? What's your yeah, story? Yeah, look, look at the hair. It's... When you don't have to be camera ready, it's the, it's the hat. I mean, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I just look. I just. I just didn't want to shame. I, I know that that your head of hair 
isn't right. as thick and voluptuous. Listen, as, I got a haircut. As the golden locks. I still have. I still have hair. You got. You got a great head I of hair. Did, I did get a haircut. Yes, this is very true. You've got a great. You look fantastic. Thank you. I well, appreciate did you get a haircut that. for Spider Man? Fishing for compliments. Uh, no, I got a haircut because I was out of quarantine finally, and I was able to go and interact with the public. So uh, I got out of the house. Jake was channeling his inner Gabe with his uh, with his beanie. Gabe does yeah, rock a hat. Gabe wore a hat. How, yeah, come, how come Gabe needs to wear a hat? He's not on camera. Not on camera for this episode. Oh, Gabe's wow. got a head of hair, too. Oh, my yeah, God. Look at that. That's outstanding. Gabe's got a, I don't think I realized how voluptuous Gabe's head of hair is. It's fantastic. Yes. I'm All the more jealous. reason to go to YouTube for these things. Well, listen, uh, Jake, I'm glad you brought that up because if you're watching us on YouTube. I'm the king uh, of the segue. Hello, thank you. Head down and hit like and subscribe. We are catching up with uh, a ton of followers and bringing people into the fold. Um, if you want to join us in our video form, if you happen to be listening in an audio format right now, go to youtube.com backslash real blend podcast and you can watch the show. Uh, and quite often when we have guests, including a bonus episode guest that we're going to have next week, Mr. Oliver Stone, uh, that'll be on video. I'll tease that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, have you signed up for real blend premium? Hope you had a so, wonderful time with Oliver Stone. With real blend premium, you get an ad free version of the show. Uh, you get an additional show that drops every Monday. And this week we're going to be playing, uh, we're going to be having a mailbag. Oh, you get fun merchandise like that sometimes. Well, premium people get uh, access to the merchandise at a shop. Well, no, everybody as, does. What are you saying? Well, I don't know. Everybody, everybody, merchandise is available for everyone. And also, we don't send you free mugs. So uh, We don't. Just yeah, Kevin. Uh, now Kevin I'm going to take one. that in post. I'm going to say I, that really quickly, like the end of an ad, where they're like, <laughs> the FDA does no, argument. Yeah. No, it's just, no, yeah, no, no, seriously, we really don't send you mugs. Yeah. I paid for that mug, by the way. He did. Yes. I did. And, uh, Even so the host don't get free And much. we're on the show. <laughs> I paid for my book. Check the description of where you are currently listening to find out how to sign up for Real Blend Premium. Uh, let's get to the poll this week. So, Tom Holland has completed his uh, his first trilogy. First of, I think, I think many. We'll discuss that later on. Uh, which now puts him in the pantheon of the existing Spider-Man actors. So, we wanted to ask the folks. Yes, Kevin. I have a quick question. And, and this is maybe this has already been figured out, but I was very confused by this. Okay. Amy Pascal told Eric Davis at Fandango that there was going to yes. be three more Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland. Did did she say that before Tom Holland knew that? Did she say three? She did say working on the next trilogy, didn't we? I what, think when she said that, I think she was forcing Marvel's hand a little okay, bit. Okay, cool. Um, All right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Because Just I, curious. The, it's negotiating tactics, and I think Amy was keeping Kevin's, uh, Kevin Feige's, not Kevin McCarthy's, feet to the fire. So, Okay. Uh, Jake. I want to ask you this one. You always give me the hard ones. We asked the people, who is your favorite Spider-Man actor? Uh, we have three to choose from. Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. First, tell me where you think the people went, Jake. And then I want to know your answer to the question. I really think, the, just by nature of, of what's most recent and just the surge of popularity and positive vibes surrounding No Way Home, I, yes. I do think more people probably went Tom Holland. Though I also think that there's love for all three for three different reasons. So I, I would say Tom Holland, but not that he, I don't think he like took it and ran away with it. Incorrect. He got 48%, which is a lot I higher. Kn- than, I know. Who, I know who is number one. Than most everybody. Well, no, Holland, Tom Holland. Holland was number one. Yes. Yeah. He was number one. But well, number two was Andrew Garfield though. He was number three. Oh, what? He was number three in the poll. Tobey Maguire got 28% and Andrew got 24 which I do find very strange because you're right. There has been a, a sort of renaissance uh, of recognizing Andrew's contributions to the Spider-Man franchise. And uh, so I was surprised to see him get that low because if I had to pick myself, 
he would be my choice. I love Tom Holland. I think Holland's great. Oh. I think Andrew's terrific, though. I'm Holland all the way. Are you? Interesting. No question. Are we, are we, are we talking it, best, best or favorite? Are we talking best or favorite? This one says, who is your favorite Spider-Man actor? Favorite, favorite I'm going Toby. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Ooh. I think it's just the nostalgia. I don't know. You, you, you know I am a Roll sucker for nostalgia. Place. You are. See? That's very true. That's why you like yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Favorite, I'm Holland yeah, and Yeah, yeah, honestly, that's actually, like, that's not even probably a knock. That's actually probably very true. <laughs> it's very true. That yeah. movie is nostalgia-heavy. Yeah. It's like, hey, remember true. those things you loved? Here they are. All right, let's get into... And uh, they fly now, you know? <laughs> they fly now. We're still doing this joke two years later. We're still doing it. Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler chat. Uh, and I get to go first because I did not see Why it the last time. Why do you get to time. go first? Well, you Jake... You don't even like Spider-Man. Because the last time yeah, we you reviewed... You missed the movie before it came yeah, out. Like, we all saw it before yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. I was like the last one to go. I really didn't care at And all. we're never going to let you forget that. No, you shouldn't. That we honestly should be something. how many times have you seen it now? Twice, I've seen it twice. Well, two and, a half, two and a half times. Two and a half times, yes. Just like me. And I want to go again this weekend, if not for Christmas. Ugh, God, <laughs> stupid Christmas. Wait, you said you were going this weekend. Did you misspeak because you forgot Christmas? No, I said Sunday because I knew at least that would be like after Christmas. Like after so the Christmas, Christmas is rush. in the way of you going to see of Spider-Man see, yeah. a third yeah. and a half time. Yes, true. Although his I really parents, just his want family to. understand. They really do. I just want to, see the, I want to see the second half of it. Let's get into the spoiler chat, and I'll explain why I want to get into the second half of it. Um, you guys tried to warn me in advance that this movie was going to be everything that I was hoping for, and it's not even not even fair uh, to say that you know that this is it's my favorite movie of all time like it it's crazy crazy Kevin said that Kevin said that that was gonna be it was gonna be your favorite movie of all time it's interesting because I had two different experiences with it and the second time I think the emotion finally hit me because the first time I was just in shock it's overwhelming yeah it's it is it's too much um and like it's so amazing that even to the point where by the end of the movie, you you remember that like they introduced Daredevil, like they brought Daredevil in and that's like a blip. Oh yeah. Like you just even forget that that even happened, even though that's an incredible scene. Um, I loved, 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 loved the way that they brought the villains back. I thought it was a terrific way to introduce mm-hmm. all those characters. I thought giving Tom the opportunity to to want to cure them uh, and send them all back was very character appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great moment where Molina says like you could have left us to die you know after he fights Doctor Strange and Zendaya is like yeah but he that's not what he does like, he doesn't he wouldn't do that to you guys and I think that speaks very highly to to who Tom Holland's Peter Parker is I Defoe is the MVP oh my god of this he, movie he like the, no one, one the can best. argue that that's a paycheck for him like he no. and, and I'm saying you oh. saw the quote where he said like I'm gonna do the stunts yeah that fight in the condominium between him and Tom Holland is yes. unbelievably great. Yeah, it's that so laugh, that shot where he's go. Oh my god, the la- when he the transitions and when you yeah. realize that he's not Norman, that he's the Goblin. Yes. Oh, it's just, all in the eyes. It's oh, all in yeah. the eyes. Yeah, you see him right. switch in the eyes, yeah. like 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 literally like it's a it's such a brilliant subtle transition. But it's terrifying. Like yeah. that is, it's such a brutal character too. Yeah. I rewatched Toby's uh, first Spider-Man over the weekend. 
this that this movie and the original Sam Raimi film and two, they're very violent. Like I, mm-hmm. I forgot how brutal the Maguire one was. Yeah. Like especially yeah. with the goblins. That, that last stuff. death mm-hmm. scene, the goblins' death yeah. scene, and and they're in the Raimi Spider Man oh. is is pretty pretty rough. I mean, even yeah. that's what Holland said it in my interviews that he wished his suit got torn up more yeah. often. Like like you we forget Tobey Maguire's suit is freaking shredded yeah. by the time that movie's mm-hmm. over. And I think that fight is when it should have happened yeah. because like that goblin. He, when he wraps his legs around uh, Osborne's face and he's punching him, and yeah. Norman's face like changes to a smile in the middle yeah. of getting punched. Yeah, oh. terrifying. Like yeah, I, horrifying. I, I thought he was amazing. I really loved what Jamie Foxx was able to do with his wow. new additions to it. You didn't like Jamie Foxx? I felt like he was being. And granted, I've only seen Amazing Spider-Man two one time. Yeah, so I don't a hundred percent remember of how he is that how he played the part in that one because no. to me it just felt like he was Jamie Foxx in this movie. Like no, no, he no. was. He, he was, I think, to me, the only weak link of the villains. Because the whole time I was like, oh, like, I, I just thought that some of his line deliveries were, were not my favorite. But he does have one of the best lines in the movie, which is the like, Miles Morales reference, yes, that which was is fantastic. really cool. I, I, just, I recently rewatched the film with my dad, and there were moments where I was like, okay, what of Jamie Foxx could I cut? And there were a couple of lines I was like, oh, I would have cut that from Jamie Foxx. Okay. Now, the Miles Morales thing was great. And there were a couple of things that, like, I thought he nailed, but... I, I didn't see Electro. I saw Jamie Foxx. Well, the yeah, I can't argue that because uh, he does definitely play it that way. In, in Amazing Spider-Man Two, he really tries to play like a the character. nerdy. Yeah, yeah. right. See, he I tries wish we'd gotten that. that. I think he well, kind of thought like it didn't work when I tried it the first time. So now I'm just going to be Jamie Foxx. Yeah, but in Amazing Spider-Man Two, the arc for him was like he was like a nerdy guy working at the uh, you know he obviously he's Oscorp, working at the, yeah. right and essentially he is like glasses and he's like super like not confident at all and then once he transitions into Electro he does become a little more like that right a little more, a little more but he's still yeah. he's blue he's still but you I feel, know, like, I feel yeah. like in this he like a turned it up to eleven like I, I thought he, he was full blown Jamie Fox in this maybe and um, granted we're talking about a movie that's gonna be on my top ten list this year like I'm not knocking it but sure, sure. I, the reason i go as far as saying it's not perfect is because of of a thing like like ah, i didn't like how jamie fox delivered his lines so we got tickets to go on thursday at four because i wanted to see it as, as early as possible and avoid or looks like what, was your, what you was your crowd well this is what i was going to get to the thursday crowd was okay not that mm-hmm. good you know they were okay um, and we had tickets for Friday night, which I had bought a while ago when I thought the whole, when I thought the family would go IMAX and a Friday night crowd, seven o'clock. That was the concert atmosphere crowd. That's awesome. Like that was the one that was just, it was everything, you know, yeah, I still like, haven't gotten that. I still haven't gotten also, that yet. No, it's really? very important yeah. to note for people out there listening. If you see this movie in IMAX, it's full IMAX the whole time. Oh, it's um, beautiful. So, and what I mean by full IMAX, I know we talk about aspect ratios in the show, but if you go to like an AMC or a Regal, their IMAX is 190, which is the aspect ratio the entire time it fills the whole screen. Yeah. Um, but if you went to like a science museum, it wouldn't fill the 143 because they didn't shoot it that way. But if you go to like a normal AMC or whatever, it will fill your whole screen to see it in IMAX because it is literally shot and formatted to take up the entire screen. It's pure immersion. It's unbelievable. So let's get to the <clears throat> moments when Andrew and Toby come back because they're fantastic. Um, I really like the I like the use of the sling ring, you know, to to have Ned bring them back. I thought that was a clever way to introduce them. Yes, Gabriel. Well, I wanted to ask you because we're on that. One thing that um, I know at least Jake and I had discussed in side chat was we were not expecting them to be in it as much. Like we yeah. thought maybe they were gonna they were gonna be the 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 end of the third act. They're gonna come in and help save the day, and it's gonna be fun. 
what were your expectations? And as it was unfolding and you were realizing that you were going to spend so much time with yeah. these uh, former actors and now sort of current actors, right. um, what was your reaction? How, were you surprised by that or were you hopeful that that was going to be the case so all along? I had heard just from being like close to the ground on a lot of this stuff, I'd heard a couple of different things already. I kind of had heard the sling ring rumor, like that mm. Ned was going to get access to it. So when Peter pulls it off wow. of Doctor Strange's hand... Um, coming out of the mirror dimension, I thought, oh, that's interesting because Ned will probably use it later. Um, but I didn't know the context. I didn't know how Ned was actually going to do it. Um, I had heard that the three of them were going to get a, a, a scene where they do science together. That's all I'd heard. <laughs> so I didn't really know necessarily what they were going to be working on, but I love the fact that it was the cure um, for each of the different villains. And I love the fact that each of the How do people Spider-Man... know this? Like, how do people yeah. know that, 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 that they were going to do no science idea. together? I think that a lot of these rumors, um, the quote unquote rumors, get leaked by people who work at visual effects houses. I think that there's people who are working right up until the last minute on a lot of these scenes. So they see whole chunks of the movie and then they just go home and they tell somebody, they tell a friend, they tell a family member, and then it gets out. Um, that's where a lot of this spoiler information comes from people who are working on on visual i'm bummed you knew that information i didn't know that information i I was okay with all that i honestly didn't mind because in that point i just wanted to see how it played out um but everything at the statue of liberty with all of their conversations and the scene where the the one that i keep i I, listen i'm I'm just as bad as everybody else with piracy i'm going back to youtube and rewatching scenes that i can't get enough of and the the conversation of them saying like we need to figure out how to trust our our tingles and work together, uh, and then of Peter course three. the spider. The, yeah, Peter one, Peter two, Peter three is <laughs> just the greatest line delivery ever. And then of course you know them running and diving off the platform and mm. and landing on the crown, and it's just it's fu- oh. it's fucking everything. It's everything, and I can't believe what blows my mind. And Gabe, to your point, like there's been so many of these other examples of these legacy franchises that bring back the existing characters, um, and it's only like for a glorified moment. And in my spoiler-filled review of Ghostbusters, uh, I mentioned that you know bringing those guys back in the final minute, and then I got slammed in the comments for like I haven't seen Ghostbusters yet. Thanks for rooting for me. That's I, been dude, out for I a did, while. I get, dude, whenever I did the junket and asked the new cast about the old guys coming, not the old guys, but the original guys coming back. Yeah. And they all talked about it freely and I got also slammed in my comments and I was like, yeah. dude, there was a Vanity Fair piece on set with Bill Murray yeah. from like a, oh, a year plus ago. And before like we even recorded that episode, I'm pretty sure the three of them were on like the Tonight Show talking. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tonight Show appearance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Crazy. Um, but I loved that they were in it a lot more. Like I loved that they were yeah. part of the story. You know, it was a narrative yeah. reason to bring them like back. like they cared. Yes. Mm-hmm. felt like the exactly. actors cared. But it was, I thought it did an amazing job of bringing closure to andrew with uh with some of his open-ended stuff um the moment when he saves zendaya was the moment that michelle in the theater literally burst into oh. tears literally burst into oh. tears because she his turns face. to me and she oh was my just god, like and he can't even speak yeah it's <sighs> such a oh my god when he's holding her yeah it's, what a mo- i mean what see to me and I, I i wanted to mention this because i used the word cathartic mm-hmm. when we were talking about this mm-hmm. movie last week and I couldn't really dive into why but like that scene in particular um and then the what's interesting about Spider-Man and I love about the villains like Doc Ock specifically and Goblin and I rewatched the Maguire films recently is that like there is that interesting humanity in that individual before they become evil um and with Doc Ock specifically remember at the end of two when he like takes himself into the 
into the you know into whatever that thing was called i don't know what that what that big ball of fire or whatever it was um and then goes and then drowns with it like i actually felt for molina's doc ock in that moment because you understand that especially with goblin like remember when like in the first toby Maguire film when goblin like first transitions then kills that guy in the lab and then he Mm -hmm. he's like genuinely like petrified when he learns the next day the guy died like that's I always found that fascinating because they don't know. It's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and for me, what I love about this film is it, it is it gave you the ability to understand that the villains were, it wasn't by choice. It was by, you know, science or whatever brought them into that element. And for Holland's character to give them that opportunity, I mean, Aunt May really becomes the the moral backbone to this entire story. That one little comment she gives to Holland you know, in the movie about like, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you're supposed to do. And like, you think, oh, come on, he has to send the villains back. And then you understand like these are human beings. Um, and that's what really kind of like blew my mind in terms of the cathartic nature of it is like, I just I just found myself like wanting this for villains in a yep. weird way. Um, and I think that's when you have brilliant writing and layered characters. Um, but the saving of Zendaya, oh. like everything got everything got to kind of go through a full cycle of emotion and full arcs. Yeah. Um, but in a weird way, I told you guys this over text. My favorite scene in that entire film is when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield do the back crack. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that is. I just love that moment because it was just like, <laughs> I just loved seeing them in that atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm with you, man. But the cathartic nature of this film, and it was well-deserved. It was yeah. all narrative based. It wasn't just a gimmick to bring them back. It was, it was purely good storytelling and well i I, john watts kind of pulled off the impossible in my opinion kevin you you mentioned like oh i'm sorry sean go ahead i was gonna say there's something really beautiful about that these three actors are the only three men who have played spider-man in live action right Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, in a feature film so they're able to relate to things you know like they're bringing their relation to the franchise to being in the franchise um, and also as their characters, like in the story kind of thing. So there's yeah, a the moment web. right right before yeah. the, the backbreaking thing. There's a moment when Andrew says, uh, you know, Max was such a really nice guy. Talking about Jamie Foxx's thing. Max was such a really nice guy. He was such a sweetheart until he fell into that vat of electrical eels. <laughs> and Toby kind of laughs and he goes, that'll do it. You know, yeah. like they, they just have this <laughs> you have experience. You have to fall into. As it's, yeah, right. it's so exactly. smart. It's so exactly. smart. I, I, for me, the cath- I love the cathartic moment between Tobey Maguire and uh, Alfred Molina. Like when yeah. Alfred Molina was back, yeah. not as Doc Ock, but as Otto Octavius. And just when he says like, like you've grown up, like it's just, you know, he just hasn't mm-hmm. seen him. And he's like, how, how are you? And you kind of remember that these two like had respect for each other at the beginning yeah. of Spider-Man 2. Like they were friends. Like, like Peter really wanted to learn under Octavius and Octavius had a lot of respect for Peter. And I feel like we hadn't seen them together in, right. you know, not, not, not even Spider-Man Doc Ock, but Peter Parker and Otto Octavius. And, and that yeah. line where he says like trying to be better. Yeah. I just, it's... Oh, I just, I loved that little moment um, between, between the two of them. I thought that was great. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to try to like rain on the parade. But if, if I had to knock one mo- like section of the film yeah. that I thought was clunky, the middle and and even seeing the the gathering of the villains mm-hmm. from that moment where Electro shows up, basically just about to the apartment, I thought that was all. I thought it was clunky. I thought the writing was kind of clunky. I thought the dialogue between all the villains was was 
was was choppy and clunky and there were some jokes there that didn't land for them me a lot of them belo- out, like figuring yeah, out what a lot of them, they were from. a lot of them belonging to to Jamie Foxx but just like I, it's it's a 20 minute section maybe 25 minute section of the film that the first time I saw it I just thought like oh what's this seems off and mm-hmm. I thought I had the exact same feelings whenever because I I remember thinking okay well maybe once I see it in the yeah. context of the film that I know that it is mm-hmm. it'll be better when I saw it yesterday with my dad and I felt the same way. There were so many moments. I was like, God, I would have cleaned this up by about 75%. You're not wrong. There, I definitely felt that lag a little bit. Um, I have a question for Sean, actually, because I'm, I'm trying to understand this. So theoretically, so from what I understand I'm, when you watch the film, the villains are brought back the moment before they die, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how does that work? How did, like, how did the spell enable them to bring them back the moment before they die? I think that might just be... Uh, like a writing for, thing for its convenience it's supposed to okay. be is a spell because mm-hmm. the, the idea too that if they put them when they put them back they put them back to the moment before they you die. could you so, could argue that like the mult like you could argue the science of it quote unquote is that the multiverse okay. like uh, uh uh leans into the most convenient way like it, it, instead of completely breaking the multiverse where it goes okay if we pull them from this instant then that universe has to change from what is already written quote unquote you could say that like oh it it pulled them from there because that was the easiest point. That was the path of least resistance. Yeah, the, okay. the power of the multiverse to pull it through. You could also kind of argue that, like, if the idea is that they're pulling him from the universe when they knew that he was Peter Parker, because it's him saying that one line in the middle oh, of the spell. Oh, that's really great. Oh, then wow. they, then they like can't that. they can't be dead. You know, they'd have to be alive to kind of know who he is. Interesting. And, and they all find oh, out at like the end of the movie. Kind of that's thing? interesting. A little bit. Well, sure. Yeah. Because lizard, like lizard, even yeah. has because lizard doesn't die at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man. He ends up in a in Ravencroft. Does and Electro he, die? Electro kind of like shorts out. Yeah, they kind of ramp him up with so much power that he kind of explodes. But lizard even says something in No Way Home where he's like, he says to Max, he's like, "Do you know if I died?" And then they kind of don't answer it. They just yeah. sort of mm. glance over it. So I don't know the science. How do there. you think? Um, do you think uh, Risa Fons and uh, was it Thomas Jane just like Thomas Hayden up, Church? Thomas, Hayden I'm sorry, Church. Thomas Hayden Church uh, just showed up on set. Like they're like, hey, we'll we'll put you in front of a green screen and one no, quick scene. No, 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 that's all recycled footage. When you see each oh, of them really? turn into their human counterparts at what? the end, when they are each healed, that's existing footage from Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. Really? 3. Wait, did did Hayden did did, did Hayden Church they did and their dialogue voice it? Yeah. Okay, okay, yes. okay. Okay. They did wow. their dialogue, but they did their dialogue from sound stages like at home in COVID. Wow. I also okay. thought the the uh, the Green Goblin scene on the dumpster was that a lot of actual footage from the uh, uh, the little chair scene because they're they're mirroring that oh. for sure. But I felt so maybe. familiar that I was like, is this the actual footage from that scene? I haven't I gone back to rewatch maybe. that. Maybe. That might because it did it looks it looks exactly like it looks it, exactly with the mask like talking it. to him. And it's yeah. and it's compo- like it's like set up the same way, like the angles are very similar from what I remember, like maybe flipped. Yeah. But I think that there's a to- lot of that movie that's assembled in a way that we don't realize. Like I think a lot of stuff was shot probably with the villains too, was shot in like pieces. And and kind of assembled in a rough in a rough kind of cut. By the so way, I'm, Aunt May's what? death scene. Yeah, that was when really she well stood up. Yeah, when she stood up, like yeah. you could tell something was wrong with her. But like, what's brilliant about that moment is emotionally, as an audience member, you're in a push pull because you know she's been mm-hmm. injured, and she doesn't seem normal, and she's mm-hmm. like breathing in a weird way, and you're, and you're like, and and part of you is like, oh, she's getting up, she's fine. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, no, 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 this is like the Uncle Ben death. 
They're kind of love John Favreau's it, reaction to uh, that moment. That when John Favreau scene. pulls up and you see that, like he uh, understands what's going on. Sean, I have well, a question for you. Sure. I, I just saw you tweet, and I didn't even think about this or realize this that John Watts has not done a single interview uh, up to this point. So, what would be your first question? What would you ask him? Oh, jeez, that's a great question. I don't know. I have to think about that. Um, I mean, it would be something along the lines of bringing those bringing Andrew sure. and Toby back. Like what? Are, what are those phone calls like? Or, or who do you have to go, do? You have to go through their publicist, or do you have to go through their agent? You ask like, him if Mark Webb got to make a Spider-Man movie, would John Watts get to make an Electro movie? Oh! <laughs> yeah. And then you say, how many watts of electricity is an Electro oh! in, the, in, in the scene? So these are the great questions that we. Oh, yeah. It's a shame he skipped the interviews. You know. <laughs> you know what? I would ask him about the creation of what what is without question my favorite scene, which is the final swing. And the, oh, the, the homemade suit and, and oh, everything God, about that. I love the blue. I love the blue. Perfection. So, all right, let's get to the end credits. And Wait, the black uh, suit was in, turned inside out, right? Of the yes. red. The black suit was just yeah. inside Which out. That okay, was cool, so correct. cool. Because yeah. like, we were all talking about this new suit, but it's just the old suit inside out. <laughs> and I didn't realize the, the first time I saw it was the second time watching when he goes to feast um, and he sees Norman with Aunt May. Uh, that's when I got an up close oh. shot of that inside out suit, you and see you can see the wires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought I thought that, that was, was so really cool. cool. I thought that yeah, was so that's cool. a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, so, in the New York Times interview, uh, Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal gave a couple of quotes about the future of, um, and Kevin said that they are already in active development on the fourth Spider Man with Tom Holland, and the reason why he said that is because he didn't want to have any kind of this protracted, you know, confusion. Uh, in the fan base about whether Sony and Marvel were going to continue to play together. So Holland is at least getting another one. Uh, there is this talk like Kevin uh, McCarthy brought up about whether it's a trilogy or not. Um, Amy seems to make it, Amy Pascal seems to make it like she wants it to, to last forever, which of course she does because look at how much money this thing made. Uh, and clearly fans are buying into what the two of them do together. But there's a lot of things that that can now be explored in really interesting ways because in the Tom Hardy scene, they left the symbiote behind. Um, I hope they don't rush right into the symbiote storyline. I don't really want that next. I feel like we've seen that a couple of times already, both with the Spider-Man 3 and then the two Venom movies. So I kind of want to see Spider-Man in his red and blue and doing some other Spider-Man things before the symbiote comes into it. Um, but that is a very deliberate line by Tom Hardy when he's like, maybe I should go to New York and see this Spider-Man guy. And then he gets beamed away. Um, that's so that the little piece of symbiote on the bar, you know, will seek out Spider-Man and track him down somehow. Um, Do we get an Andrew Garfield third Amazing Spider-Man? Because like his performance, this is like the, another reason the movie was cathartic. Because I don't love Sp Amazing Spider-Man one and two. I mean, obviously Gwen's death scene is one is an incredible sequence, but like. I just don't feel like he was ever like even the score for his movies, the Horner score. I, and I love James Horner. Oh, I just don't love I the love score. His, I, I like don't. His it's, theme not, a lot. it's not Elfman or Jaquina level. And I love James Horner. I just don't think his theme is as good as Maguire's or Holland's. But um, but my question is now is like like the way Garfield played Spider-Man and Peter Parker in No Way Home. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like that was what we were always supposed to get from him like he's just a brilliant actor and like that's 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 the guy that's the character that's the movie that he deserved to be in so like now i know it's trending everywhere like do you think like i mean they theoretically could just hop back into his universe right of course and, sure, and then just start, start from the moment he goes back well i've seen a lot of people say do. that like what if we said that hardy and garfield <laughs> were in the same universe 
you could do that. Sure. But Holland he, is already in. Uh, no, wait, wait, no. I thought the end no. of Venom Two. He goes was back to watching... his universe. Because oh, he, he, right. he comes into Holland's and basically he's talking to Danny, uh, uh, not Danny, Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny and saying, wait, wait, explain, wait, what's going yeah. on in this universe? <laughs> yeah. Explain this to me. And then, and then he gets zapped back to right. his world. So what if his world was Garfield's world? There's also, there's a lot of like mm. Daily Bugle references and J. Jonah Jameson references. And Andrew could very easily just be in New York in the Venom movies. Right. Because Venom's out oh. in San Francisco. So yes, you could very easily do that. One of the only reasons why, like, if there's enough fan interest and there seems to be right now, and if Sony is really smart and they wanted to make money, they'd be bracking up, you know, the quote-unquote Brinks truck, you know, to Andrew's doorstep. Announce it today. Announce it now. No, well, here's I think Toby, the thing. I, we're good on Toby. Are we? I'd, honestly, I'd rather see Toby do Spider-Man 4 than Andrew do Spider-Man 3. Oh, no, no. I would see Andrew do Spider-Man 3, no question. I, I'm cool with Toby and the closure he gets in No Way Home it's Garfield that I think deserves another great movie and watch, well, you know what's interesting it. like this this is the point that I was going to bring up Andrew's 38 Toby's 46 right so which one yeah. seems viable to to do another film like right. I guess it's Andrew Andrew's also theoretically going to be uh getting an Oscar nomination you know yeah. for Tick Tick Boom and he deserves can, to win and and should be moving on to more prestigious pictures right like does he have to come back to a franchise that broke his heart I don't think he has to if I'm if I'm him I I say look I I got my, I got I mean, my no way home is pretty, pretty good yeah. moment to go out on. Yeah, yeah. it really is. You mean, we'll, we'll get to, I know we have a couple more questions we want to answer in this segment before we move on, but I'll end on this. To that point, I think that it would be beneficial for Sony to differentiate itself from the MCU Spider-Man right. if he were older. Um, I think 38 is old enough, but I mm-hmm. think like people loved the Jake Johnson, Peter Parker in True. Spider-Verse and that sort of like aged up. Uh, you know, sort of beaten down, or it doesn't necessarily have to be that that tone. But I think if they were, if it was Spider Man in a completely different part of his life, is how you could really make an interesting Spider Man yeah. movie that sits alongside the MCU Spider Man. Yeah, for sure. And also, and like, let me and, just okay. And what's going on with cool. Tobey Maguire and MJ? Like, it implied like they're together, but they said that they've had some issues. I'm he curious. Says to it's complicated. It's yeah. complicated. I'd love to know what's going on there. I know. Maybe well, Sam Ra- also... Raimi will answer it in the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, God, Multiverse of Madness! You could finally bring uh, Shailene Woodley's Mary Jane back and put her into the next Andrew yeah. one if you wanted to. If she was, uh, and, then, and then he looks at her and goes, ball. "Oh, you're my MJ." Ah, oh, that mm. would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I, you know the age thing doesn't really matter is because we just found out today that Michael Keaton is going to continue to play, <laughs> right, right, and right. he's seventy. <laughs> so you know who knows. But um. Uh, last question, and this is a really interesting one because the Doctor Strange spell said that everyone on the planet is going to forget that Spider-Man, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So do you guys think that the MCU built that in as a as a uh, safety net so that the other people who are off planet, yeah. Carol, Carol that Danvers. Could be, that could be very interesting. Thor. Like Thor shows up and goes like, wait, what How? What do you mean you don't know Peter Parker? What do you mean you yeah. don't know? That and Nick Fury at the end of... At the end of, um, well, Captain Marvel. I was think the who 90s, it'll be. So. I think who it'll be because of the end game. Even just that one moment was so huge for people. The uh, hey Danvers. Peter Parker or whatever she's. Yeah, I yeah. think it's gonna be Carol Danvers. And Carol oh, Danvers right. is like you know majorly powerful. Everyone yeah. thinks that you know they understand. Like her her word is I think well respected, especially with Nick Fury. So that, yeah, um, I, I think that, that I think that'll be the person that's yeah. the catalyst for that. What's great. the deal with with MJ and Ned? They're gonna be in. They're gonna be in Boston. I think they're out of the franchise. You think they're um, done? No. Yeah, I said this in the text thread, and I think that no they're done. Way. And I know Kevin disagrees, 
But no I think way. that they well, not that they won't be used like later. I think that they there's, could absolutely wicked come back later. John wicked Watts crime. battle on both of them. I think he's gonna <laughs> battle on. He might there's battle no on both of them. Way Zendaya is not going to be in other Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. There's I, no way. I'm willing to there's bet no you right now. I will bet you right, right now that she's not in the next one. All right, I'll bet you twenty bucks. Okay, fair enough. Okay, their, so their relationship. Zendaya, yeah. That was such a tragic, like a wonderful, beautiful, tragic ending to that relationship. Yeah. I would yeah. be no, no, no. Yes. I'm saying I would be bummed if he didn't get to like yeah. win her back, kind but of. But not, not. I'm very right much away. attached to the two. If they not do right it, away. if they do it in the next movie, it deflates the, what the tragedy if of that. He, he meets yeah. his Gwen Stacy, falls in love yeah. with Gwen Stacy, and all yes. of a sudden MJ transfers to his school. Well, right. Or like, okay, how about this? He meets his Gwen Stacy. He falls in love with his Gwen Stacy. And then Carol Danvers returns and tells everybody that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh. And then Zendaya's MJ is like, oh, wait a second. We have this whole relationship. And now he's torn between two people. Oh, my God. There we I'm go. emotionally invested in this made up story now. <laughs> this episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, really briefly, before we move off of Marvel, I want to talk about the Hawkeye series finale uh and just sort of wrap up the reactions to that if you want to see my full-on reaction to every single episode we have that on the cinema blend youtube channel um so go over there and and, and check out that series i want you guys to watch it I, I know you both have sort of signed off on it jake you tried to start watching it i watched the first two and just was just i the, honestly i just i'm sorry it seemed bad no the second episode is the worst of the series and from three through six, it gets really exciting. I, I do not make an appearance on Sean's YouTube series, so I mm -hmm. will tell the two of you. I really love this one. I think that this... I haven't so finished the finale. I haven't seen the finale. Minority. Other people I talk to whose opinion I also value tell me it's terrible. I don't know why Sean loves or likes it. I, don't, I actually don't know where he's at because I haven't finished his... Uh, I haven't seen the finale, so I haven't watched his finale episode um, of his series. Go check it on Cinnamon's channel or the description below. Um, what I love about it is that I think it is more in line with what I would like these series to be, which is I don't want them to be moving the universe along necessarily beyond like a character introduction standpoint. 
I love them as sort of one-shot comics, mm. which is what this is. Mm. This is this is can dad come home for Christmas? However, dad is Hawkeye and he has Hawkeye problems. Mm-hmm. See, I I, I really want great. more Loki. Like, oh, you need to see this we'll, to understand. We'll what's probably going end on up getting MCU. both, but I think if you sure. set your expectations at, I'm gonna get a Christmas story about can dad make it home in time for Christmas, sure. and the problems are Hawkeye's superhero problems. It's a ton of fun for me. And now let's shift over to movies that are coming to theater, starting with the animated Sing 2, which Jake Hamilton went out of his way to go see because he's a huge fan of the franchise. Jakey, as the resident uh, Sing fanatic, how was the sequel? Did it live up I to your expectations? I did the junket. I'm sorry. <laughs> how was Bono? Ah, uh, he was it, he was so good. It's like he wasn't even there. <laughs> you too? <laughs> ah! hey. No, look. Uh, yeah, look yeah. Here's what I would say. I, I actually like Sing 1 and 2. I like the big musical numbers. They always pick really fun, poppy songs, mm. usually ones of which I like. The performances are always fun, and watching a fun musical performance, whether or not it's it's performed by animated animals, is still fun to me. And there is a lot of humor in these movies that makes me laugh. So okay. I look at it through the perspective of, if I had a kid who wanted to go see it, and I sat in a theater with 90, for 90 minutes and watched this movie with them, would I be clawing my eyes out? No, I would actually enjoy myself... Uh, for the time in which I went and saw it. Okay. You would sing, too, with your kids. I would sing yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, Netflix has the Adam McKay movie, Don't Look Up, coming to theaters. This is uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence uh, one that's about um, an asteroid coming to Earth. It's been joked as a apocalypse, no, Armageddon with a brain. But um, my my bold takeaway with this is that it's really hard to to make jokes about um, a clueless media and a government that's obsessed with the midterm elections and and overlooking science uh, when we just lived through everything that we lived through uh, with the Trump administration and the pandemic and you know not to make this political in any way shape or form but like when that stuff dominates your news cycle on a nightly basis and then you try to watch a comedy that that tries to make all that stuff funny um, it wasn't funny to me so it fell really flat uh, and I was pretty disappointed because I really like McKay and I like uh, The Big Short which I thought was really educational as it was really funny and sort of took a, a, a sword to a lot of that stuff I liked Vice a lot which I thought you know took his political lens and, and really did focus on some great performances and character development and, and, and saw all of that through a different lens. I just didn't think don't look up worked on that level. And so um, I was a little bit disappointed. I also uh, love the other guys, by the way. It's also oh, it's a really, really a funny, really movie. great McKay movie. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, um, where are you on the tender bar? George Clooney's film. Yeah. I believe I, it's pronounced I, the tender bar. Yes, thank um, you. It's an interesting film because I, I, I understand the criticisms for it. And I think that there are like some of the writing and some of the uh, and some of the performances like could have been uh, slightly better, in my opinion. But when I look back at Tender Bar, I specifically look at Ben Affleck. I think it's one of the best performances of his career. Like I think mm-hmm. he's just genuinely incredible in the film. Um, and Uncle Charlie, the character he plays, like for people who aren't aware, like essentially the, there's a young boy in the film whose father is absent. He's a radio host. Um, so he grows up around his uncle, Uncle Charlie. Uh, and Ty Sheridan plays him later on in life. And then Ron Livingston does the voice for him uh, in the generation later or whatever. Um, but I thought Affleck was so great that that's what made the movie work for me. I just like spending time with that character. Uncle Charlie kind of reminded me of my own Uncle Steve and just in the sense of like he was the cool uncle that you'd want you could do stuff with and hang out with. So mm-hmm. to me, that's really, really where the movie worked was anytime Affleck was on screen, which is a lot. Um, I think he's wonderful. Um, I think the film itself is fine, but I think he's better than the movie. So I, I think it's worth seeing for Affleck's performance in general. I cannot recommend uh, Denzel Washington's Journal for Jordan. Um, 
I like Michael B. Jordan a lot. I think it's a really sweet story, um, but I think it's told like a Hallmark film. Uh, not even, not even as good as necessarily a Hallmark film. I don't quite get how Denzel fumbled this material. He's directed things before in the past that have been successful. I don't see what attracted him to, in the first place, to be honest with you. Well, in in in, in his defense, it's, it's a great story um, because the yeah. truth story behind it, like, and I agree, the film isn't told as well as the story deserves to be told, which is mm. strange because like, Denzel was directed before great debaters and Antoine Fisher. And obviously he's Fences. been around great directors. Yeah. And it just felt, Fences it felt like it, it didn't feel like a, a, a an extremely well-made movie, but at the end of the day, performances are great in it. I thought Michael B. Jordan was great. I thought Chante, uh, um, I'm trying to remember her last name off the top of my head, uh, was fantastic as well. Um, is it Chante Adams? Someone I think it's Adam, Adam Chante Adams. Yeah. I believe it um, is, yeah. And she was great. So, but for people who don't know the story, it's a great story. It's it's about uh, a first sergeant, Charles Monroe King. Uh, he was killed in battle in Baghdad. And right, uh, right before his passing, he had been filling out a journal for his son, Jordan, um, which had all these life lessons in them. Uh, and that's, that I love that story. I love it's the noble. idea of a kid being able yeah, yeah. to. So in all, and to answer Jake's question about what, what detracted Denzel to the movie, it's a great story. It just wasn't executed in yep. the best way possible, unfortunately. Exactly. But it, yeah. it, it, I, I'm honored that I know the story. I mean, he seemed like a really awesome guy. I wish I could have met Charles Monroe King. Um, mm. So I'm happy to know the story and I'm happy to know that he existed and what he did. Um, but I do wish the film was better. I really do. None of us got a chance to see Matthew Vaughn's uh, The King's Man. But so Gabe to, did. Oh, I'm sorry. Gabe did. Gabe saw it. I'm oh, sorry. I take it back. Gabe did more than that. I did. I'll share a quick story. Um, the film. I think the film is um, is really fun. I really liked it. If you like the Kingsman movies, I think you'll enjoy this. But it is different. It does set itself. Is it better apart. than two? Um, yeah, I would say so. I was. I've only okay. seen two once. Um, and I again, I thought that was fun. I think if you like Matthew Vaughn's like slick style, it has that. But but it sells itself apart. For anyone who doesn't know, it's it's an origin story to the Kingsman franchise, and it's about the establishing that sort of organization that we now know in the modern day setting. Um, and because of that, it's it it has a lot of runtime where it's not necessarily about that. Like it's not necessarily immediately about the slick action and and spies and all that stuff that, well, that the I, Kingsman Gabe, are known I'm, for. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm curious to if you agree with this sentiment. I've uh -huh. heard from multiple people. That it feels like Matthew Vaughn wanted to make a World War One movie, and the only way he knew he'd be able to get the green light is by making it a Kingsman movie. One thousand percent. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but it, yeah. it, it, that's what it feels like because the World War One aspects of it, I think that it does. It, it plays with it and has fun with it. One thing that you know, if you're a history buff or um, anything like that, the way he plays with sort of the world leaders at the time as characters and the sort of narrative around World War One is really interesting and intriguing. Um, and it still feels like a Matthew Vaughn sort of, it has a bit of humor to it, even though it's very serious. But he treats sort of the, um, you know, he treats a lot of the serious nature of the war very seriously. Like his um, no man's land, like he has a no man's land scene or several scenes sort of set in that in the trenches there. And they're not, he doesn't over stylize them, really. He, he, takes, he, he takes them very seriously and he has some really interesting, really striking um, and dark moments. Uh, the action is tremendous. I think he's an amazing um, yeah. action director. And I think a lot of people, you'd probably say he, I mean, he's before he was a director, he was a producer and he was working with Guy Ritchie and it's his influence is very, however, that partnership came to be. However, you know, whether they just both have the same sensibilities Lock, or not, it has, you know, he has that sort of very, um, 
stylized action. I really enjoyed it. I thought that it, uh, like I said, I thought it treated some of the the bigger picture World War One sort of setting very seriously, and it very much feels like he wanted to treat it uh, more like a traditional World War One movie in those moments. And that, for me, that helps it set apart. I will say the way it leaves it, this, I don't think this is a, a spoiler. Uh, there's no spoilers here, but talking about him as a producer, it's really fascinating that he has, he now has a Kingsman franchise set in present day. And because this sets up that organization, the characters that that we are left with at the end of this very much sets this up for a, a separate Kingsman franchise within its own time frame, mm-hmm. um, which I think is to your He's point about. He's got it all mapped out too. That's he's my. That's why I, I, I think it's really brilliant from a producing standpoint. I think it's really brilliant how he's been able to create two franchises out of one one yeah. franchise. Um, I hope we get more of them because I do. I do like the period nature of him and kind of the way he's treating it and where it could go from here. Okay. Um, I'll quickly because because we, we, there's a lot that we want to get to, and maybe maybe I'll discuss this in a premium episode at some point if people want to hear more about it. I did get to visit oh. the set of this. Um, I only got to see one scene um filmed um and then a lot of it was uh interviewing them and and is that scene in the movie yeah was it cool i I didn't even see that is that cool to watch like did you remember seeing it filmed and the coolest thing was the the i basically only saw one shot get filmed um and it's a oneer where the crane it's a crane shot where it starts up uh on a like a like a window of a building and it comes down and it swoops into this this sort of motorcade and it and it lands on like mm. a two shot of the people sitting in the car. It's a big Matthew Vaughn's kind of like oneer that gets you into a scene. Awesome. Um, and so the, for the hours that I was sitting there, we pretty much from what I remember, this was several years ago because this film got delayed and you go, you know, a year before it comes out and all that stuff. Um, that was like the only thing that movement we really saw um because that's how long it takes to do those kinds of things but it was very cool to see the camera's angle having sort of sat in video village and kind of seen some of the angles that they had mm-hmm. and and see the workings of it was very cool i have a bunch of stories about that whole trip that i feel like i've shared some maybe that i can share in a premium episode if people are interested in um but it was a great it was this. it was very Pictures awesome i got to speak to the didn't whole happen cast. gabe you know you keep talking about this this <laughs> doctor sleep set visit you yeah, did let's not yeah, talk right. about you pictures lost the picture pictures or it didn't happen <laughs> yeah that's a bummer but um yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I think if you like the Kingsman franchise, you will like it. Um, if you like Matthew Vaughn's style of action and you want to see him take a, a little bit more serious approach with some of it, he has some very, very interesting um, shots and sort of sequences of action. And this is an amazing fight scene in uh, No Man's Land that is fantastic. But yeah, okay. I recommend it. You sold me on it. I'll check yeah. it out. I, I, was say, yeah, I honestly it. really wasn't that intrigued to see it until... I love the first, first one. Yeah, the first, first one's great. Tr- first one's terrific. Second one's um, crap. All right, PTA's movie uh, Licorice Pizza is expanding wide. If you want to hear Jake Hamilton's thoughts on it, he opened up about uh, his take on it in episode number 192. So go back and see it. But then this week, uh, Kevin and I were able to catch up with it. And Kev, why don't you take it away? Because I know you really liked it a lot. Well, I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan, I think. Uh, and re- specifically of his more recent stuff, too. I mean, I grew up on Boogie Nights and Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. But, I mean, I've I've loved his different genre takes from over the years and you know i don't love inherent vice as much as sean does but i love phantom thread i love uh you know the master i absolutely love there will be blood um this is like i don't know i just had so much fun with the characters like the two leads cooper hoffman and alana as alana alana heim Heim. yeah um who uh, obviously uh is the star of the film and the idea behind the film is that cooper hoffman philip seymour hoffman's son which, by the way, he delivers 
a phenomenal performance. He's so and like, good. What's cool about his performance is like you get little gestures or smirks that remind you of Philip Seymour Hoffman, but it's he really is his own actor. Um, and so he's 15 in the film. He meets Alana Himes' character, who's 25. And the whole idea of the movie is this push-pull of her trying to not fall in love with him because he's 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the movie captures that in a way where it, like, I, I understand there was some controversy surrounding the idea of the age difference, but to me, the movie is about the idea of her fighting that aspect of it mm-hmm. and kind of meeting this younger kid and kind of like them meeting at the wrong time in their lives. Cause he's younger and she's older. Um, but what's beautiful about this film in terms of like, just from a writing standpoint, a cinematography standpoint, I just loved being in the world uh, and not much like happens from a story perspective, like outside of like the basic arc of the story. I just liked spending time with the characters like Benny mm-hmm. Safdie was amazing. Um, you know, the you know, I, 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 there's a scene in this film that's probably top five. My favorite scenes of 2021. Um, and all I'll tell you is that it's a it's a large vehicle going down a street backwards. Um, <laughs> and it's so intense and, like it kind of reminded me of how I felt watching the buttering of the toast in Phantom Thread. Like these, this is it's just it's a it's a random sequence that somehow becomes so perfectly executed and intense. Yeah. Um, I love that scene. It's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, basically, for people who when you see it, Anaheim and Cooper Hoffman are in a, are in a large vehicle and it's going backwards down the hill. Um, it's awesome. Uh, but uh, in terms of like the cinematography, I mean, obviously shooting on film, it looks beautiful. Uh, the soundtrack is fantastic. I wish Bradley Cooper was in it more because he was amazing. Uh, that quick like 10 minutes moment that he has in the film. Did they did they take out the scene where he like busts those windows? They yeah. put it in the actual credits. Yeah. But the most yeah, famous there's, there's scene, scene we the trailer. saw, yeah, yeah is him like kind of like bending down and like breaking the glass. Like they took that out of the movie, but they do give it to you in the trailer or uh, credits when they tell you who who played who at the end. Um, where does this rank on PTA's list? I mean, it's interesting to me because like I this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I don't know that it's his best movie ever, but I just love the world and I'm going to go see it again. They're playing it in 70 millimeter uh, up the street here, I think on New Year's Day. Um, so I'm going to go up and see it in 70. I want to see it on film before I kind of like get my full, my full reaction or PTA ranking, but I loved it. Um, but I also, you know, I want to, you know, this is, this is a film that I think, uh, has a lot of talking points. People have a lot of opinions about it. And I think everyone needs to respect everyone's opinions in terms of what worked and what didn't work for people. Um, but for me, the film, I just love being in the world, um, and, you know, spending time with these characters. I think Cooper and Alana are, absolutely phenomenal like she i fell in love with her immediately and i don't know what it was but there's just something about the way pta captures her it was just like i was like in a daze like i felt like cooper's character does seeing her um and i think that's what really worked for me so he writes uh pta writes and creates and then casts uh characters so perfectly yeah um and and what you're saying um applied to applied to this movie for me but also that's what applies to inherent vice i love the characters and i love the world of inherent vice that's, that's it yeah and i've completely understood that you know it took me a, a couple of viewings to even figure out what the hell was even happening in it 
but I yeah. kept returning to just the vibe that he set up. But on the flip side, if you don't like the characters or you're not interested in the world, I could see it being pretty insufferable because sure. it's a long ass movie that you have to enjoy being, you know, with these characters and, and spending a lot of the time because as you say, not a ton happens. You know, it's mostly just sort of character beats uh, that are coming through. It's, and it's if you're not invested, movie. for sure. Yes. And like I can this, see this that, you know, his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If people don't love Dazed and Confused, if they think the characters are super annoying or, you know, they can't yeah. relate to them in any way, shape or form, then that's probably a really tough movie to sit through. Did you love it? I loved it. Yeah, I really did. Me too. I'm not quite sure. It's. I would have to see it again before I determine whether I love it enough to make it like a top 10 movie for me. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's going to quite make the cut. But, I, but we were having this conversation about our top 10s and we're going to get into those in a little bit later. There's going to be some great movies that don't make my top 10 this year. Yeah. Like, this was well, a really I need to remind year. people that just because a film doesn't make... Because I have buddies of mine that, that will yeah. say, we'll talk about a movie and they'll say, oh, like, is it going to your top 10? And I go, no. And they go, oh, okay, so you didn't like it then. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we're very allowed important. to love more than 10 movies this year. Like that's, yes. that's astounding. Very um, important side note. I, I want to thank or shout out PTA for not ever using licorice pizza in the movie, which was really cool. Because like sometimes mm-hmm. you get that awkward scene where a character says the title and it pulls you out. Yeah. Licorice pizza, while we think we think it means the uh, a vinyl, to me, it's the vibe of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's what the movie felt like. I don't know what that is or what licorice pizza, like, you know, outside of a vinyl is. But when it ended I, and the title card, whatever, I'm like, oh, I, 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 I was really hoping that we'd get like a Fantastic Four ending where like one of the characters would be like, you want pizza tonight? And the other character goes, yeah, what kind? And they uh, look at each other oh. and it cuts to black. Thank hey, God they didn't do that. that I'm so happy there was no mention of the title. <laughs> Unless I missed it. I, um, I didn't hear it. Please so. tell me that you're aware that I'm kidding whenever I... No, I know you are. Yeah. I know we are, yes. Uh, speaking of confusing titles, uh, The Matrix Resurrections is now in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, I'll go first. Uh, this is a, such a disappointing movie. Um, and I really... Well, I, I don't know if I really wanted to like it. I guess I was just curious. I was super curious why they were bringing this franchise back. Um, if they didn't have what I thought was a, a justified reason for doing it. And the reason why it's so frustrating is that um, the first act sets up a lot of really interesting ideas, uh, some really fascinating ideas about the meta existence of the Matrix by establishing. Um, well, I, I, it's hard to get into this without kind of like spoiling some major things. But I think like, we can we can just keep this to reactions. We don't necessarily have to talk too much plot. OK, yeah, just that's keep your, how you feel about it and. I, it, you know, we've been talking a lot about legacy sequels and bringing these original characters back. Um, and he, Keanu Reeves just did it recently with Bill and Ted. Like it was, I thought it was more fun to see him back uh, in Bill and Ted and going through those motions than I did seeing him try to revive Neo. And it, I put too much stock in the idea of a Matrix sequel. And it was when somebody finally said, like someone said it in a, in, in a way that they summed it up. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They were like, it's just another uneven sequel in the Matrix franchise. Like all of them have been uneven. Every sequel that's come after the original has been chasing the high of the original and none of them have gotten it. They all have something interesting going on in them. They all have really ridiculous things going on in them. And this is the exact same way. This is a movie that has some really interesting things. They just happen to be at the very, very beginning of it. And then it has a lot of really ridiculous things that happen in them. Um, and the worst thing I can say about it is that it's boring. I just, I was bored throughout it. There were multiple times throughout that movie where I just felt like this is taking forever it's really not going anywhere. I don't dig what it's trying to do. 
Um, and so I was really disappointed in it. I think I ended up going like two stars out of five because I just didn't, I did not appreciate it at all. Jakey, where are you at with it? Uh, I liked it a little bit more than you, not as much to say that I liked it. Um, I think the thing for me is that I was never once wowed by it, mm. which say what you want to about Reloaded and, and Revolutions. I actually like Reloaded and Revolutions, um, but I think a majority of people would admit, even if they didn't like two and three, there are some truly awe-inspiring moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the I love the, the the fight between Smith and Neo in the rain at the end of Revolutions. I love the mm-hmm. freeway chase, and and even though the CGI has has aged poorly, I love the multiple Smiths in the park because I think the choreography on that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There are some truly wow moments for those sequels, and I just didn't feel like there was a, a, a there there was not a, a a Matrix movie should not exist unless it wows me. You mm-hmm. know, like it's it's it being you know, a collection of, of decent enough action sequences is not good enough for, for a Matrix movie. It's just, it's just not. Um, and, it, you know, as much as I like Yahya Abdul-Mateen and, and Jonathan Groff as actors, they're not Morpheus and Smith. Boom! They're not, exactly! They're not. That is exactly um, it. They're not yeah. this caliber. Like, yeah. Jonathan yeah. Groff is, is great, but he's not Asian Smith. No. No, and he can't replace Hugo Weaver. And it feels cringy when they try to do it. Yeah. So bad. And, and there are so many clips from the original trilogy that honestly just kept reminding me of movies that did what they're trying to do better yeah it just yeah. I, every time i say every time they would and a, a lot a lot of clips of the first three movies thrown out yeah. in this one and yeah. i just kept thinking like all you're making me do is want to go back and watch the first three. <laughs> I, I do think the hook yeah. is fascinating i think yeah. i think their excuse for getting back into the story is brilliant actually and there are some really big swings, and I think any movie that takes big, giant, massive swings should only be knocked so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was boring, but I was never wowed, and for me, that's a that's a big, giant swing, but also a miss for me on this one. Also, sometimes it's it's even worse when a film is like just meh. Yeah, like like mm-hmm. in, a, in a weird way it's like, like i'm kind of i'm kind of where jake is where i didn't like the film but i don't hate it as much as like a two out of five kind of thing yeah but my problem with this film is is exactly what jake was just saying like at the end of the day i can't tell you one memorable action scene or effects moment and i'm not saying the matrix has to do that but they set a bar with the first one that was yeah. so high that there's no uh that's my dog barking i apologize um <laughs> uh, sorry he was he, he gets upset when when someone walks away Aww. um but anyway so i so for me it was like the, i'm not saying you have to sit down and watch it a matrix film and have an action scene delivered to you it's going to blow your mind like the bullet time sequences in the first one or whatever or the highway scene in the second one but there is something to be said about when you sit down for a matrix film what you do think you're going to get you know what i mean and i'm not saying that like a movie has to deliver exactly what the audience wants or you know it's okay to flip the script and kind of do it differently mm-hmm. but at the end of the day what blows my mind is that the 1999 film was so innovative and game-changing and technology has advanced so much since that film and nothing in this movie was anywhere near the level of innovation or game-changing aspects of what the 99 film did. And I think that is insane to me because the techniques and and the technology that we have now, like those, that movie pushed filmmaking forward 
in a way that was so innovative and unique. Like you would imagine that, you know, all these years later, there'd be something invented technology wise that would be able to take it to the next level. And it doesn't do that. And, and I think my problem with the film overall is it's it's too meta for its own good. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm cool so with meta. It's almost a shame to be a Matrix movie. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm cool with meta aspects and things like that. But like the movie was trying so hard to deconstruct this idea of what we know as franchises. And, and there's a lot there's a lot going on in this film we can't get into from a spoiler perspective, but it's trying so hard to be to be something that, it, I don't know, I just found that to be frustrating, to be honest. One, one, one more thing, I want you to tell me whether or not this is a silly knock. But to me, this is, it sounds weird saying it out loud, to me, Neo should have short hair and be clean shaven. Yeah, no, yes. it's like it I'm just, sorry. To me, it just John feels like, yeah. To me, it just feels like it's Keanu Reeves saying, "Well, look, I got to film John Wick after this, right. so I'm not going to cut my hair." <laughs> yes, that's what and I felt. Dude, like, that's probably what actually what happened. That probably yeah. actually is what happened. Like he, they, were, they probably it reminded me yeah. that he's Keanu Reeves and not Neo. Yeah, yeah, I know. Also, that was a big like, thing took me out like, of it. Yeah. Also, like, the, and I won't go into too much detail here, but there's like they try to play around with like slow motion stuff again. And like it just doesn't look as good or feel as natural. And like, yeah, there's a Neil Patrick Harris scene that I just thought didn't look good at all. And it was yeah. like a long scene. I just yeah. didn't. It just didn't look good to me. I'm My so, dad I just wants to didn't. watch it tonight. I'm curious to see how it holds up in a second second run. I'm watching it again tonight too because yeah. you know Lauren hasn't seen it yet. So all right, well, let let us know in the text thread whether it's uh, any better the second time through. And since it's the end of the year and we're uh, celebrating the the holiday season, we wanted to play hashtag. Holiday movie blend with our final blend game of 2021. Jake Hamilton, when it is the holiday season and you are home in Texas, what is the movie that you have to throw on uh, your favorite holiday movie to make it feel like uh, it is finally Christmas? You know, I actually really look forward to, and I love this movie so much, but will only allow myself to watch it around Christmas time, post Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Love Actually. Oh, I, nice. I love the collection of the stories. I love uh, the the needle drops. I love all of the actors. I love kind of like year for year sort of forgetting how they all interact with each other because there's that fun crossover where they cross over into each other's stories. And sometimes I forget, oh, that's right. So-and-so is actually this person's sister. And this person is actually crosses. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, I, I really like that a lot. And it's one of those movies. And Sean, you said this early in the show one time. And I, I just love this quote so much that we don't know that movies don't change. We change. Mm-hmm. And I'm all, I, I'm always curious as to how, as I get older, and my perspective on life, and my perspective on people, my perspective on relationships change. How my perspective on each individual story changes, and who mm-hmm. I relate to, and who I feel bad for, and who I cast as the villain. It's a movie that's that's ever evolving in my eyes, um, and it's just so Christmassy. It, it is it is a such a Christmas movie. And in fact, the you know, um, you know, one of the big needle drops is that the iconic uh, Mariah Carey song. Um, and, and also I love, I love, 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 love that score. I love the big score when all the stories are coming together and the little kids chasing after the girl in the airport and Mr. Bean gets in the way and kind of winks and not, it's just, I honestly, I truly, truly love, love that movie. And it, it makes me feel good to watch it every Christmas. Awesome. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Like, I don't think Pop I've sat down on. and watched it from Pop start it to finish. And, uh, it, it's hard to watch with the family because there's one plot line that involves stand-ins for porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 again, and, and Kevin, I think we talked about this. They're not the porn actors; they're standings. Right. right. Which apparently this is the most well-produced porn in history, where they have to check yeah. out the lighting in advance with stand-ins. Right. Um, 
but they're and, and they're people who are inherently shy around each other and also very like but they happen to be stand-ins at one point i think i think martin freeman who was the guy says like oh i was a stand-in for brad pitt on on seven years in tibet so he's like a professional stand-in and he happens to be doing it for porn and then they end up falling in love it's just, so it, that my point being it's not necessarily a gather a family the entire family around right um, well let me remind you my kids hate movies so it'll be really easy for michelle and i to watch it together. oh sure sure <laughs> yeah. well pop it back on let me i, I would love it's to hear fun. what you think years after <laughs> having seen it um all right i'm gonna go and my my movie is uh more specifically a scene uh and it's the nightmare before christmas and it's when Jack falls through the tree and he lands in uh, the yes. North Pole for the very What's first this? time. What's this? That is <laughs> the moment where I finally feel like it is Christmas. It's Have you watched warmest. it already this year? Uh, no, I haven't had a chance to watch that scene just Ooh, yet. You're making me want to pop it on. It's I on Disney like, Plus. Yeah, ah. I feel like um, the holiday season is really catching up. Like it's it's. I can't believe it's the end of this week. Like oh my god, and then it's done. And then and it's, it's over. I know it's really fast. But that scene, that song is tremendous. Um, his sense of wonderment, yeah, uh, and just and then the way that they flip that story, Kev. I know that you're a huge fan of that movie, but the way that he mm. he takes Kevin's it back and it. tries to apply mm. Christmas, but can only do it through the lens of Halloween yeah. is just such a brilliant, brilliant. concept, it's brilliant. and it's really such fantastic. But but what's this is the scene that I throw on every single time because it reminds me. Oh, of I love uh, was it? I think it's called Jack's Halloween. Lament when like he gets shot down. Uh, yeah. as uh and he's just sort of like what like i'm doing my best and none of these people oh my god i love it. it's such right. it's truly truly i'm amazed that they have not tried to turn it into a stage musical um so i saw, no, we, I saw elfman do it live actually oh see Catherine that's Harris. awesome see we watched uh, it Hollywood with Bowl, uh whatever like we have legally blonde the musical but not nightmare before christmas the musical yeah that's kind of true we have we have two numbers from rogers the musical actually yeah Continue to watch Hawkeye. Oh, I heard about you that. You know, Elfman, that. Elfman does the singing voice for Jack, which is so cool. Yeah, like to does. see him do it. Li- and because they have a different actor playing. I don't even know who the actor is who plays the talking Jack, um, which is interesting. Tom by Hanks. The way. It was Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's Tom Hanks. Tom yes. Kev, <laughs> <laughs> what's your I'm, choice? For well, all real quick life. on the Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, my mom and dad and brother and I went to New York when I was, uh, I don't know, like probably when I was in college or maybe before college and went to a MoMA um, Tim Burton exhibit, which was oh, so cool. crazy because they had like, they had like, they had a, uh, a, a, a something he turned in in school, like in fifth grade, and like the teacher saying how bad it was on it, and they had it in the in the in the in the museum. But the coolest thing I saw in the museum was this was this table that was covered in glass. It had like thirty or forty different Jack Skellington heads on it, and all they were were just the different changes of emotion God. so like a jack wow. like started smiling because remember this movie's film stop motion so it's 24 sure. frames a second 24 shots a second which is insane Ugh. it could take weeks to film like five seconds of the movie it's crazy. um but in order to like for jack to even smile it could be five heads like it, it, you know you wow. start from like the non-smile yeah, yeah. to the it's unbelievable how they did that movie um henry Genius. Selleck is a great director people, most people think burton directed it which yeah. i always found yeah. interesting whenever whenever um, i ask people like oh what's your favorite tim burton movie and they go nightmare for christmas i kind of want to be you don't want to be that guy story. but you kind of yeah. want to be like <laughs> it's yeah did you see Coraline that's the that's the guy who did this um uh so mine no question like and weirdly enough like it's the movie that I first put on in the holiday season I've watched it twice already already before Christmas is Home Alone I mean like it, at the end of the One? day I watch both back to back I always do both back to back dude how good does the pizza in two look when he's in the limo dude, I always wanted two, that pizza I love to. I don't I care what anyone to. says. I love to. I love to. I love to. I think it's because uh, I had the VHS of two and I never had the VHS of one. Well, so I like the I like the New York setting. Yeah. I just like I like the idea of him being lost in New York. 
Isn't that the title? Lost yeah. in New York? I think yeah. it was, yeah. Um, There's a great Joe so, Mullaney sketch about, like, how really? are you lost in New York? It's, it's, a, it's a grid system. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but every time I hear that John Williams score, it's oh, immediately, such a good immediately, score. immediately Christmas. Like, it's like, and Chris yeah. Columbus... Chris Columbus might be the next to Rob Reiner might be one of the most underrated directors of our time. Yeah, I mean, the guy that. directed the first two Harry Potters, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Home Alone one and two. I mean, the, the guy. I mean, these are if iconic. If we're being honest, though, films. those are the those are the worst two Harry Potters. They're the worst two Harry Potters, but you're the they worst did, Harry They Potter. did jump the story. <laughs> they, they were they were good movies. I mean, they, they weren't Alfonso their Cuaron. Purpose. Yes. yes, they served they their purpose. They weren't Alfonso Cuaron level. I mean, obviously, when Cuaron took but, over, but the decisions that he had to make, sure, yes, were Fair. like, Fair. And, and, and and the degree to which he made them. We're pretty fantastic, but also to be fair, those two books, are, those two books are the worst two books of the series. That's fine. Yeah, that's like fine. He, he made well, I'm them just acknowledging, probably, but he just made them as good saying. as they could ever be. Did he? It's it's unfair. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I thought he did a good job <laughs> yeah. with what he had. They were that, kids those movies. Stories, those are, those yeah. are kids movies. Like, I mean, the the quote shows. I always read was that the, the, the target audience for each Harry Potter story, whether it be the movie or the book, is whatever age the kids are in the story. Okay. Yeah. I can confirm. I was I was exactly the age as Harry Potter as they were coming out. <gasps> Gabe's a little wizard, and he kind yeah. of looks like Harry Potter. As I, what people used to say, I used to wear round glasses too. You probably um, didn't even know what you what, who Koran was when you saw three. It just blew your mind. No, Gabe knew. Gabe knew. I would say Gabe strikes me as the type of knows who Koran was. Uh, no, that was probably my first Koran movie that I ever yeah. saw. I imagine. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I can definitely. I was that's why I was going to defend those two because I was going to say those were not made like for the same two. audience that the later ones are made. Yeah, I was the audience definitely at the time that those were made for, and they okay. they work. And so for me, Columbus is like a trip. They're great. Yeah, Columbus is like a sleeper director. I, okay. I just feel like he's like people don't appreciate. Well, and, I mean, and he had to build. And two. He had to visually build that whole world. Yeah. So it's like that's the everyone else yeah. got to play with his tools. You know. Mm-hmm. It's true. So. I mean, Fair the enough. dining hall. I mean, that's all. I mean, yeah. that's all him. The, the John like, Williams shots, the cast itself, like all the cast. That. Yes. Oh my god. I'm, I, I actually, I'm excited for that HBO Max reunion. Same. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I didn't know that Home this, Alone but... 2, Home Alone 2 really feels to me like just the first what? movie. Like, no, it's what? not. You, you <laughs> tread softly, sir. How it's dare you? It's such a great idea. I love how they They're play with the, the concept. The sticky bandits this time. How do they, how <laughs> do they even get that? into the that First they were the wet bandits. Now yeah. they're the sticky bandits. Okay. One fun thing to do, by the way, is if you watch the first and second Home Alone watch every scene where Pesci and Stern get hurt and say, say to yourself, okay, they would have died here. Like when, <laughs> when Pesci and Stern are getting the bricks thrown at them in two, yeah. every Go one off. of those hits would have killed them in, in immediately. It's like, like, it's so, those movies are so violent. They're yeah. so I, I always forget. I rewatched one recently. I always, I always forget like how little of the film is actually them trying to break in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always just associate that being the entire movie, but it's not. It's, well, it's a lot of him being home alone. You know the spider story, obviously, right? Which is, you know, that's a real spider on Stern's face, which is oh, the most He's doing some sort of fun dance. Audience Like picks. an interpretive dance. Uh, Kimberly Sue went with It's a Wonderful Life. That makes a oh. lot of sense. Haley yeah. McCoy went with White Christmas. They Shepherd classier films than us. They did, yeah. Also, Justin Chris Shepherd. Columbus is responsible for directing those those Same. black and white films in Home Alone, Angels with Filthy Souls and yeah. Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Dirty those faces. Made Get down on your knees, you filthy animal. Uh, Justin <laughs> Shepard said The Family Stone, John Augustine, David Cox, and many others uh, went with Christmas Vacation. Saul Thomas said The Polar Express. 
Paul Marsh said Paul Elf. Marsh. Amanda Young said Home Alone. And lots of love for, weirdly enough, the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do right know a lot of people Columbus. that associate Harry Potter with the holidays. Well, yeah. I would like to thank everybody for participating in this week's Blend Game. And for all of the Blend Games that you guys did throughout the course of the year. It's always a lot of fun uh, to to chime in about movies that we enjoy. Uh, we're going to be recording our next premium episode next. It's dropping on Monday. It is the last mailbag of the year. Uh, so again, if you want to get access to this and all episodes of Real Blend Premium, go to cinemablend.com backslash Real Blend Premium. Uh, we put a post on Twitter and got a lot of really great questions. Gabe, did you see all those? Were you able to take note of the various questions that we yes, got? Yes, sir. All right, good. Um, next Wednesday, we have our bonus episode with inter, uh, interview, excuse me, with Oliver Stone, who is talking about the, the director's cut of JFK, perfect for the holidays. <laughs> uh, that movie came out in December, by the way, too. He talks about in the interview how he was like, racing the clock to. Uh, I think, I think to two days ago was the, for... um, the the Scream anniversary, the 25th. Uh, oh, the Jango come out on Christmas? Wes yeah. Craven. Hateful Eight definitely did too, didn't it? Yeah, or around Christmas, Christmas is a strange uh, time for dark films. I mean, films we have to remember that, like, it's also it's, uh, for a lot of people, it's not a movie coming out at Christmas. It's a movie coming yeah. out in December for the Oscar season. When does um, West Side Story come out? Uh, I want to give a big thanks to the audience this year. You guys have been fantastic. Do uh, you guys mean, notice that though? We had yeah, a lot of dark. We got a lot of dark <laughs> films in Christmas, like Nightmare Alley is out now, and like true. it's a lot of dark stuff. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, did Nightmare Alley come out? <laughs> Zing! Um, this year, you guys have been really fantastic about supporting the show. Uh, honestly, we can't thank you guys enough for for the followers that we picked up on YouTube and uh, the subscribers to the premium. We've seen those numbers go up, and just our, our download numbers have steadily climbed over the course of the year. And I know a lot of it is from the interviews, but there's been a significant number of people who have like weighed in after the fact and said like, "Hey, I found you guys because of." Quentin Tarantino or uh, tuned in for fill in the blank interview. And then I really enjoyed the conversation. So um, a big thank you to anyone who, who took the time at all to listen to the show, to share the show, um, especially friends, uh, our friends and colleagues in the film industry, uh, people in the industry out in Los Angeles, uh, uh, up in New York, who listen to us and help us have helped us this year to book guests uh, and to uh, and to bring a lot of talent through here, all the crews that helped us record uh, at the Junkets, uh, who were really uh, fantastic help with a lot of the talent that we're trying to get through, and also tell us a lot of times that they listen to us as well too, and yell uh, at us, and <laughs> sometimes yell at us, um, and then you know just in general for everybody who supports the show, uh, we're so thankful to be able to do it. You know, we joke about how the fact that you know we get together every single week to, to talk about movies, it's something that we would do, you know, without a podcast. So, uh, so this has been a lot of fun to see this evolve uh, for the four of us as a show that we kicked off as a temporary awards conversation uh, and one where we would never have interviews. Uh, this is really <laughs> something else that we never dreamed possible. And, uh, and a lot of it is because of you guys. So we'll meet you back here in 2022, uh, but also make sure that you check out the Oliver Stone interview. And if you're a premium listener, you'll have a couple of things waiting for you this season. So until next year, then... With a new full Yubi. episode. Well, hold on. You can listen to us oh. uh, or follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and at Real Blend. I feel like I, I feel like I need a, a better thing to yell. I need a new thing Killers for 2022. Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's make it that. Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there another director you'd like to get on the show? No, that'd Yubi. be fine. He can come on. No, we're not getting a Yubi director on the show. <laughs>
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.